Let's open our Bibles again to that verse that I hope you'll remember, Isaiah 55 and verse 7. Isaiah 55 and verse 7. If you'll go to the website even later tonight or tomorrow, you will find the outline for today's sermons there for you to review with many more verses than the ones that have been used verbally. Isaiah 55 and 7, though, this is one I want to use verbally. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. What a verse. All we have to do is return unto the Lord and forsake our ways and he will abundantly pardon. Not just barely pardon, not just pardon. He will abundantly pardon. And I hope that the combination of that adverb and that verb there will please you well in the comfort and encouragement that it gives us to start over by going to the Lord and confessing our sins. Heavenly Father, bless us now. Speaker and hearers are tired and weak. We struggle with flesh that the breath of which is in our nostrils. We are so frail, O Lord. And if you are teaching us our frailty by this virus, we have received the lesson. But, O Lord, now we pray that by your Holy Spirit we still might be strengthened and healed in our souls. Cause us to look unto Jesus Christ and to see there an ever-present fountain of forgiveness and redemption that flows out of his finished work in which we can wash and be whiter than snow and that we can start over again. And Heavenly Father, for those souls that are afflicted with spiritual depression, discouragement, that are cast down, that might even be destroyed, by your Spirit lift them up and let them see a fountain of life. Not eternal life, O Lord, but life to live with thee in fellowship. And bless us to all obtain it and to walk in it every day. This I pray in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This morning I taught you that because Jesus Christ died for us on the cross, because of that, we stand before him perfect. No sin, no spot, without blame, without reproof. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? That is our position before we were born in the view of God. That is our position tonight, and that is our position a year from now. And it doesn't change in the least. Jesus Christ has perfected forever them that are sanctified. In theological terms, that is called our positional standing before God. In the terms of the Church of Greenville, it's called the legal phase of salvation, where the legal payment has been made, and so we are legally perfect before God. But with that being true, we still sin on a daily basis. We still sin on a practical basis. And that sin doesn't alter our position before God, but it sure alters the fellowship and the friendship and the joy and the peace and the hope and the faith and the love of that relationship. And that's what we want to address. When we sin, we become very quickly discouraged spiritually because we have quenched the Spirit of God, who is the source of our love and joy and peace from within, We've given place to the devil, who now has greater access to throw fiery darts at us. How do we end that slide, which is called backsliding in the Bible, in order to regain that higher ground and to press forward toward the Lord? How do we do it? We start over. How do we start over? We confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And every one of us can start over. Where, where, is, where might sin be in your life? Is it between you and your parents? Is it between you and your spouse so there's marital problems? Is it between you and the Lord? Is it in your thoughts? Is it in your financial dealings? Whatever sins you know are not confessed in your life that you're discouraged about, that you have been living the life of a failure, failing without confessing, what are they? All of them can be started over very easily. For those that went to the couples retreat, they know that on the back page of the outline, I had the marital quick fix. And the marital quick fix was five steps. And the first step's the most important, and that's why it's first. 
And what do you think that might be? It's to confess your marital sins to the Lord. Because he forgives. Getting forgiveness out of step one is easier than getting it out of step two. Step two is to confess your marital sins to your spouse. But when we confess them to the Lord, he is quick to forgive and abundantly pardon. Amen. And so that's what we're dealing with tonight. When we sin, we are put into a horrible predicament that is not pleasant. And when you find yourself spiritually distressed, discouraged, it's because of sin. Look at Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And if I was to ask you, what psalm deals more directly with the confession of sin than any other, what psalm would you say? I hope you would say Psalm 51. Because that's where David is confessing his sins of adultery and murder. What I want to point out right now, and that the whole psalm deserves a sermon, because there is so much in it about the confession of sins and how we word our confession, how God forgives so abundantly. But what I want to point out right now is the condition of a man who hasn't confessed his sins. 51.8 David said, Make me to hear joy and gladness. <clears throat> if he's asking the Lord to make him hear it, how much has he been enjoying in the way of joy and gladness? None. Follow this. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. In those five verses, I want you to notice that he says his bones were broken. Now, do we know of any broken bones in David? Literal, physical bones. We don't know of any physical bones, so he must be referring to spiritual bones, and he's using bones just to represent his spiritual structure. His spiritual frame has been twisted and broken by God's heavy hand upon him, like we read earlier today, where the, the moisture in him was dried up like the drought of summer. He hasn't had any joy and gladness. He feels like his bones are broken, and there's been no joy in his spiritual life. He's asking God to overlook his sins, to give him a clean heart, because he hasn't had a clean heart. It's been a dirty, filthy heart, because he's been holding on and hiding a sin. He wants a right spirit renewed within him, because his spirit has not been right with the Lord. He does not want to be cast away from his presence. Because, and why would he pray that unless he feels that and fears that? To be cast away from God's presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, which he had lost. And uphold me with thy free spirit, which is strength. When you have someone holding you up, that's giving you strength. And he's praying for those things because they had all gone. This is what happens when we have sin. And we wander around. We sit through church services. We go home. We're just wondering, my life is so fruitless. My life is so vain. My life is so empty. I'm so sad. Melancholies talk to themselves. I'm so sad. Everything is just pitiful. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. Nothing works out right. I'm not what I should be. Life isn't what I thought it would be. Is this all there? All those thoughts are from hell. Right. For a child of God, because we should be able to look above them. And live above them. We can start over. Those kind of thoughts are what we have right in here. The broken down despair and gloom of a child of God with unconfessed sin. What we want to do is start over so that those thoughts are not the thoughts that we have. I want you to look at Psalm 106. There's so many references to warn you what has happened when you feel dry, when you feel lean. Fat is prosperity. Now, in America, we don't like to hear that very many times because we're told that fat is not. But fat is prosperity. If you have a fat cut of beef and steak, it's going to be a better cut than a lean one. It's going to cost more. It's going to be better. In the Bible, it's that way. Thank you. If you did it in a disciple's name, you'll get a reward. And I'd, it's 
the Lord said it made it that simple. Is the Lord hard? No. But thank you, brother. Look at Psalm 106 and verse 33. It's not, I don't want verse 33, I want verse 15. Verse 15. He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. A horrible condition of man is to be given what he wants naturally and deprived spiritually. And if you show a greater zeal toward natural things than spiritual things, the Lord will give you a great marriage, a nice family, a big house, a good job. He can give you those things easily and deprive you spiritually. And the child of God who's lived that knows that he'd rather have the spiritual blessings and be deprived naturally. But I want you to notice the words, leanness into their soul. That's how the Lord presses us down and chastens us for our sins. And when you're walking around with those depressed thoughts about what am I and where am I, and I'm a loser and I can't live the way I know I ought to be, and I don't even know if it's worth trying because I fail so many times. That's leanness in your soul. And get over it and repent and do it today. Repent of those thoughts and let's turn into the Lord because he will abundantly pardon. Look at 78.33. The Psalms are filled with this. 78.33. We we saw the words leanness into their soul, but look at Psalm 78 that also describes the history of Israel. 78.33, Therefore their days did he consume in vanity, and their years in trouble. And we've seen it, and you may experience it if you don't heed the call today to forsake your sins and to turn to the Lord. He can consume your days in vanity and your years with trouble. Remember, the way of transgressors is hard. Right. All that it takes to obtain a clean slate with the Lord and to start over is to confess it, repent and turn from it, and to reform your ways. And he will abundantly pardon, as we've already read. Let's go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. This morning we ended with the first seven verses, but let's look at the next two verses. 1 John chapter 1. I hope that in the first seven verses you saw a wonderful proposition. That which was from the beginning, that is the Word of God, wants to have fellowship with us. That eternal life that was with the Father and was manifested to us. He became a man. And came into this world, he wants to have fellowship with us and with his Father in heaven. A three-way fellowship. And with the apostles. But they're no longer here. But they're the spirits of just men made perfect in heaven. And we're still connected to them. Amen. How, do we, how do we obtain that fellowship? We walk in the light as he is in the light, according to verse 7. But look at verse 8. If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we hear so much about the legal phase of salvation, having put away our sins, and we are so confident that we're walking in the light as he is in the light, that we would say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. That is not the truth. The truth is that God's best saints are going to sin, but there's a cure for it. And it's in the ninth verse. And we should know this verse right at the very top of the verses in the Bible, because this is the one we need the most. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And all we're told to do is to confess. If we confess, He is faithful. He's faithful because He's promised to forgive. And because He's faithful, He will keep all of His promises. He is just. Because the payment was made by Jesus Christ. And if he were not to forgive, then that means he would not be dealing justly with the enormous price that Jesus Christ paid. So because he's faithful, always keeping his word and promises, and because he's just, fully valuing the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at all times, he forgives. Not because we come with 90 days of good behavior. That's what your pastor is tempted with the most. He has to come with good behavior in order to be forgiven. It's not that. 
We simply come and confess and cast ourselves upon the mercy of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And what is his promise? He'll forgive us. Amen. And he will. Amen. Look at chapter 2 and verse 1. Chapter 2 and verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. That's the goal of First John, that ye sin not. Remember, we are to walk in the light as he is in the light. And if we say that we're having fellowship with God while we're walking in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So in order to be the most like God and to have fellowship with him, we have to walk in the light, which is to walk without sin. And that's the goal of the epistle. My little children, these things write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, knowing that we're going to have sin, isn't that what verses 8 and 10 said over here in right. chapter 1? And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have an attorney. We have a mediator with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who never sinned. He can stand at God's right hand or sit at God's right hand and intercede for us, and he has never sinned. And he can remind his Father of the precious blood that he shed and the perfect righteousness that he fulfilled when he was in this world and obtained forgiveness for us. We have an advocate. He knows our situation. He knows our frame. And because of that, he's so willing to pity and to forgive us when we simply turn to him and confess our sins. Amen. Restoration is beautiful. There's so many verses, and I, I do not want to be long tonight, but I, have to, I need you to turn to Psalm 78. I want you to see that even imperfect confession... Here's, here's what a melancholy will do. Oh, they're so worried about details. Unless I confess it perfectly, God will not hear me. I'm thankful that the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Amen. And what I said this morning, and I was racing by it, I said that the blood of Jesus Christ has a san residual sanctifying effect on all that we do. Right. No one has ever confessed sins perfectly. Amen. Not in this world but it's all sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. If we turn to him and muster the strength that we have and humble ourselves before him, he will cover the rest. And watch this. Psalm 78, beginning at verse 34. When he slew them, then they sought him. Ever read the book of Judges? And they returned and inquired early after God. And they remembered that God was their rock, and the high God, their Redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth, and they lied unto him with their tongues. Do you know what the lie was? You save us, we'll serve you forever. You can go read it in the book of Judges. But they did turn to their rock, and they did remember that the only deliverance they could possibly have would be turning to the Lord. What does he do with an imperfect confession like that? And this is not what I recommend. But what I want to preach to you is how gracious God is. Right. Verse 37, For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. For he remembered that they were but flesh a wind that passeth away and cometh not again. That should be comforting to you. Amen. That is very comforting to me to see how that even imperfect confession, I mean serious imperfection in this confession, received God's forgiveness. So when we go to the Lord and we're weak and our faith is weak, and when our faith is weak, we're saying to ourselves, my faith is weak. The Lord's not going to forgive me when I'm so weak in my faith. If we'll turn to the Lord... And remember the rock of our salvation and the high God, our Redeemer, verses 34 and 35. He will forgive. He knows our frame. It's all tied together right here in Psalm 78. He remembers our frame. He knows that we're but dust. He knows that if we're turning to him, we're doing something noble because there is no man that turns to the Lord at all without grace and a desire to seek him because it is not within our natural man to do that at all. And he's merciful to us. And I found great comfort meditating on that in preparation for this. Brethren, look at Hosea chapter 14. Daniel, Hosea. Hosea chapter 14. 
I hope that you remember the verses I'm overlooking. Proverbs 28, 13 is a memory verse about hiding our sins and covering them or confessing and forsaking them. I hope you remember Job chapter 33 about repudiating our sins. I have perverted that which was right and it profited me not. Job 33, 27. These are verses that we don't have time for this evening. They're in the outline. I hope you'll remember them. There are verses in the Bible that tell us how to confess our sins. I want to show you, because I want to give hope. I want to show you how glorious the restoration can be. Hosea 14, verse 1. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words. Now now remember, the, the Lord doesn't ask for us to bring a bullock. He doesn't ask for us to bring a sheep. He doesn't ask for us to bring silver or gold. He doesn't ask for us to bring our firstborn and offer them on an altar. I like this. Take with you words. And turn to the Lord. Say unto him, Take away all iniquity, and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. I don't have any calves to bring, but is this pretty plain? Is he telling us what to say and how to say it with the very words? He tells us to bring words because we're not to bring calves because the sacrifice of God is not a calf. It's a broken and a contrite heart. And a broken and a contrite heart is shown by the words, take away all iniquity. I've got a lot of it. And receive us graciously. It's going to require grace on your part to receive me. That's a humble confession. So, if you'll do it, we will render the calves of our lips. I will praise you for your gracious forgiveness. And then he, 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 the, the sinner points out, the nation points out, that they're not trusting in anything else. Asher, the Assyrians, will not save us. We will not ride upon horses. Neither will we say any more to the work of our hands... Ye are our gods, for in thee the fatherless findeth mercy. This is a sinner rejecting a claim against anything else but the Lord himself for their forgiveness. And that's a beautiful description of how we should confess our sins in Hosea 14, 1 through 3. Now watch. What's the next verse? Look at these words. I will heal their backsliding. You want to start over? Have you backslid in any way? Have you slid back from the high place you have had at various times in your life where you are rejoicing in God your Savior? If you have slid back from that, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. Do you know what you need dew? Remember, my moisture is dried up. We read from Psalm 32 this morning. Does this sound dry or does this sound wet? With moisture provided by the Lord. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread and his beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Those are four beautiful verses. Verses 4 through 7. And they all follow the confession of verses 1 through 3. That is how we start over. Right here is Israel starting over in this little expression here by the prophet as to how they should do it. Is to bring with them words. And God would hear those words and bless them. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. How often should saints have to do this? How often should true saints have to go through this starting over process? Once a year? Every day. Every day. day. Where does the Word of God give us such license? Oh, confessing sins is no license. You know, men will hear how easy it is to confess sins and obtain forgiveness, and they'll say, that's going to make a person lascivious. Oh, no. When you're lascivious, you don't confess your sins. Sin doesn't allow that. Sin will not allow you to humble yourself before the Lord. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 12 is the middle of the prayer that Jesus taught his apostles. I want you to notice verse 12. And forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. And how often was this prayer to be made? To forgive us our debts. In the other Gospels, it's referred to forgive us our trespasses, which is to forgive us our sins. Verse 11. Will verse 11 help us? Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is something that has to be done every day. If you fail for a day to do this, that means there's unconfessed sin. Every one of us sins in thought or word or deed, either by omission, not doing something we should, or commission, doing something we shouldn't. That's six options for you right there to find out where you failed in a day. We do it every day. And so the Savior taught, the Lord Jesus Christ, the highest standard of righteousness, with his apostles taught that daily we ought to pray, forgive us our trespasses, because they're going to be there. But if there's not a... If you will stay with this every day, the accumulated debt of sin does not get so great that it wears you down to where you do not have the Holy Spirit encouraging you and strengthening you to do it. Because if you'll do this every day, you'll have strength to do it every day. You'll rejoice in doing it every day. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me so easily for that failure. I am sorry I sinned against you that way. It's a hard temptation for me. Give me strength to go on. And we go on. But you let one day go by. All of a sudden, you've given a place to the devil. The Spirit of God is weaker in your life. And the second day, it's harder to do that. And it's easier to sin. And so you sin more the second day. Everyone who's, who, who has tried physical exercise program knows what I'm talking about in a, in, a, in a similar way. That once you miss a workout, it's so much easier to miss the next workout. And the loss that you experience during that day that you didn't work out makes it harder the next time. And psychologically, it's harder the next time. And I'm not talking about psychology and for confessing sins because it's a spiritual work. But once you start down that path, then the sins mount up and pretty soon you're just in a spiritual funk. And we can start over and there's only one time to start over. And it's now. We can't presume upon tomorrow that we're going to start over tomorrow. We should start over right now in your hearts. God, forgive me for the sins that I've allowed into my life. I'm going to blow them out again. And I want to tell you, he graciously forgives. I will love him freely. Hosea 14.4 He will let us start over 10 times a day, 20 times a day. But brethren, this is the only way that we can walk with God and have fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is walking in the light. Right. We sang the song, and we sang it last Sunday, and there was great zeal in singing it. It's number 26 in our other hymnals. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Right. If you were to sing that every day, that is confessing your sins and starting over. Amen. You're admitting to God the proneness in our natures to leave him. This process of examining ourselves, which we're taught in the Bible, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Should be done every single day. Amen. Every single day. And as he shows things to us, and as we're walking in the Spirit, we will be convicted rather quickly about sin. It's when you haven't been walking in the Spirit and you've allowed sin that you dull your senses. The Bible says that. A conscience can become seared, which is to be burned and deadened to feel. But if we're walking in the light, we're confessing our sins, the Spirit of God will be there to say, that was offensive, that was wrong. Don't you remember being taught? You say, I'm, and you confess it right then, I'm sorry, O oh Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I'm so weak in that area. Give me strength. And we can go on. And we can start over. And we can start over. See, we don't like to think that way because we don't like to let people start over that many times. Do you know in Matthew 18, when Jesus was teaching about forgiveness, Peter came to him. Peter started the conversation. Peter came to Jesus and said, How oft, how often do I need to forgive my brother the way that you're teaching here? Do I have to forgive him seven times? Can I unload somewhere there around five maybe or eight? Do I have to forgive him seven times? 
And Jesus, understanding what Peter was doing, the same thing the lawyer was when the lawyer said, who is my neighbor? Right. Trying to restrict, <laughs> restrict the love of another. Do you understand? Right. Here's Peter wanting to bring it down to something he could handle because he could handle forgiving his brother seven times because he would with relish look forward to number eight. That, isn't that human nature? Yep. <clears throat> oh, don't, don't, don't go to the Lord and don't tell him how wicked you are because he already knows. He knows what we would do if it wasn't for his gracious restraint on us. And do you know what Jesus said? I say unto you, Peter, not seven, but 70 times seven. Now go home and work on that. And for a Peter, that was a lot. And see that it's not 490, because if, don't take that too literally, because it doesn't mean that number 491 we get to unload. It's that we should just be forgiving. Right. And if, if the Lord expects that of us toward one another, just think how forgiving he is toward us, because he is going to excel us in these graces like the heaven is higher than the earth. Because my ways are not your ways. And if he is calling us to do that, just think of how many times he will forgive us. See, that's another temptation the devil brings to me. You wouldn't be confessing this again unless you weren't sincere. How can you go to the Lord and confess this sin for the 500th time? You're not sincere. If you were sincere, you would have quit at 100. You wouldn't be here again for the same sin. That's the devil. Right. The Lord knows we're in this, fle- in this flesh and that we're going to sin, but we can start over again every day. The Lord is that gracious. Turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel 18. Ezekiel 18. I want you to see the Lord's promises about forgiving us if we'll turn from our sins. Verse 21 of Ezekiel 18. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed and keep all my statutes and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? The Lord wants us to repent. The Lord wants to heal us based on our repentance and turning from our sins. Notice, all his transgressions will not be mentioned to him again. If he'll just turn to me, I will forgive him. These are the promises of the word of God. You must take the the shield of faith and to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now remember this morning the word quench means to put out a fire. We quench the spirit when we put out the fire or the heat and blessing and strength of the Spirit of God in our lives. But we want the shield of faith to quench, put out the fire of the fiery darts of the devil. And the fiery darts of the devil are that you're a loser, that you can't do it, that there's no forgiveness for you. You've made a wreck of your life. That's all a a lie from hell. And that is Satan discouraging us and taking us away from walking with the Lord and having the fellowship with him that God desires. And you've got to hold up the shield of faith which says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and forget those thoughts. Those thoughts are not coming from God. If they were coming from God, I could find them with a book, chapter, and verse. But I can't because they're not coming from God. They're coming from the devil. The ones that come from God are, if the wicked will turn from his sins, I'll forgive him and not mention them to him again. And you should learn that verse, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So get that shield up there and shut him down. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be on my knees praying to the Lord for forgiveness and feeling that I'm not being forgiven. That's the devil. It's not the Spirit of God. Where in the Bible does the Spirit of God tell us that he's going to give us the feeling that we're not forgiven? It's the devil in your flesh. And they work together because they made a compact long ago that they're going to try to destroy your Christianity. Right. When you're down there on your knees and you're confessing your sins, believe the promise and leap into the chasm. And find yourself supported by the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You have to leap by faith. Take his promise and his word. We just sang a song. Only trust him. Only trust him now. He will save you. We sang it. Let's practice it. Because I want this church to be pleasing to the Lord. To where we're walking with God and having fellowship with him and his son Jesus Christ. He will lie to you. You're not righteous enough. You need to bring some good works. Show the Lord your sincerity by coming when you've had victory over this sin for a couple of days. If you wait to do that, when will you come? You won't make it. Because you're listening to the devil and you've already lined up and you're saluting him. He'll lie to you that you've had so many failures that there's a, there's a limit to forgiveness. So you're ruined. He'll lie to you that you might not even be saved because you sin so much. He'll lie to you that you can never be much in the kingdom of God. He'll lie to you that you'll not that God can't forgive the same sin so many times. He'll lie to you that God can't forgive such and such sin. That's just that's just a horrible sin. All these little things are fiery darts. He's throwing darts at our heart and they're very very real. They are not from the spirit of God. They are not from God and they are not from any neutral entity. There are three there are three entities in this universe opposed to God. The world The world's going to tell you that you can't walk with God and God doesn't live within you that I taught you this morning. Your flesh, which is is following the course of this world and is obedient to the prince of the power of the air and the devil himself. And those three entities are going to lie to you. Those thoughts are not coming from a neutral entity. You have within you thoughts from God or thoughts from hell and there's not any thoughts in between. If they're in between, where are they coming from? If they're coming from your flesh, they're coming from hell. If they're encouraging you to confess your sins at all, they're coming from the Lord. If you have conviction to get down and confess your sins, that is from the Lord. Don't listen to any other thoughts. We can start over. Anyone in here can start over. In your marriage, in your home, and every father ought to listen to this more than anyone else. You can clean the whole slate, sit the family down, I've done it before, and said... We're going to make some changes here. I have let things slip. The Lord's forgiven me. Will you all forgive me? Now that you've forgiven me, we're going forward. And we can go with the clean slate and the Lord on our side. And notice the promises that he'll come and deliver us and bless us. And he'll send his due and we'll flourish. And how many times do we have to do this in a life? Oh, forget it. I can't count that high. We have to do it every day. John said he wrote that we wouldn't sin, but he knew that we would, and so he gave us an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Brethren, how can you forget the adulteress in John chapter 8? Now, the world wants you to forget the adulteress. The first 11 verses of John 8 aren't in the other Bible versions. The story of of the woman taken in adultery is not in other versions. But what did Jesus say to that woman in adultery? Woman, where are thine accusers? Or how many do you have? None, Lord. Well, neither do I accuse thee. Go and sin no more. Is that comforting? Is that comforting? How about the sinful woman that came and washed the feet of Jesus and the whole room was incensed because she was such a public, wicked sinner? Jesus said her faith had saved her and her sins were forgiven. She could go in peace. Look at Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. This is the response of God to those that come to him confessing their sins. Mark chapter 9. This isn't the right passage. Let me see if I can find it quickly. It's Matthew chapter 9. Sorry. Matthew chapter 9. They have spell check, but they don't have verse check. Matthew chapter 9. I like this one. I have to give it to you. Verse 1, he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. That's how the Lord responds. And I hope you like those words. Daughter, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. That is how he receives sinners. 
Now, we don't want it so easy. We don't, we don't treat others so easily, and we don't treat ourselves so easily. When someone confesses to us, we want to make sure that they really understand everything they're saying so that we can get our pound of flesh out of them. I just want to review what you did wrong so that you'll know so that you won't do it again next time. And so, you know, an hour later, we've worked a person over when they came trying to confess. If the Lord is not like that, he said, my ways are not your ways. I will abundantly pardon. Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. I find great comfort in that. Do you know what? The angels in heaven rejoice more over one sinner that repents than over 99 just people that don't need repentance. That's what the Bible teaches us in Luke 15. Jesus came not to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. That abundant life is fellowship with Him and having His comforting presence with us at all times. And how do we have it? By confessing our sins, and He is faithful to forgive us. We don't have to bring another sack of gold to the temple or any other burden that the Pharisees might put on a man. Jesus forgives us. We can start over and live for Him with our whole heart. Was Ahab a wicked king? Was he once told that God was going to judge him severely in his whole house? And he humbled himself and he walked delicately. And God said, look at, look at him to his prophet. He said, look at Ahab. He's changed his behavior. I'm not going to judge him in his lifetime. Right. It's going to come after he's dead. <coughs> Ahab was forgiven. You want to read about a wicked man? Go read about that in 1 Kings 21 sometime. Ahab sold himself to do wickedness. Forgiven. That's comforting. Turn your, in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Here's, a, here's an example that's given to us to comfort us. 2 Samuel 12. Nathan the prophet comes to David after David has committed presumptuous adultery and murder and hid it for some time. Verse 13 of 2 Samuel 12. David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Is that a very long confession? Are we out of the verse yet? We're still in the verse. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. It's too bad people couldn't treat each other that way. But for sinners, they don't really care because God does. This is how God treats sinners. Here was a, do we, want to, do we want to quote the verse, to whom much is given, much shall be required? Was David given much? Yeah. You know, the Lord's going to point out you have a whole harem. I gave you all of Saul's wives. I've given you your, I've given you your own floor on the palace. You have a multitude of wives, and I would have given you more wives. But why'd you take another man's wife? It was a heinous sin. David knew it was heinous. When the little story was given to him about the little ewe lamb, he said, kill the man. But notice his confession. I have sinned against the Lord. In verse 13, And Nathan said, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. There's forgiveness with the Lord. Amen. And look at how heinous those sins were. doesn't matter to the Lord. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. He did not come for the righteous. Do you know what he said to the righteous? How can ye escape the damnation of hell? the harlots and the publicans would come to him and he would welcome them with open arms and tell them, go in peace. Your sins are forgiven. What a difference. What a difference. But it's predicated upon the fact that they humbled themselves and confessed their sin. What do we have in the New Testament? Don't we have Peter? Told in advance, within 24 hours, Peter, you're a big mouth. You don't know what you're talking about and you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows in the morning. Three opportunities came up, and Peter denied Jesus Christ with curses and oaths. And the Lord turned and looked at him, and he realized his sins, and he went out and wept bitterly. His grief was great, but he confessed those sins because Jesus Christ appeared first to Peter of all the apostles. And then Jesus took him in John chapter 21 and asked him three times if he loved him so that Peter could undo the damage of his denial. And then he said, feed my sheep. 
Right. Acts chapter 1, who's leading all the apostles? Peter. Acts chapter 2, who's preaching at Pentecost? Peter. Acts chapter 10, who opens the gospel to the Gentiles? Peter. Acts chapter 15, who is presenting his case at the Council of Jerusalem? Peter. Galatians chapter 2, who is considered one of the pillars of the church of Jerusalem? Peter. Who gets to write two epistles for the New Testament? Peter. The Lord forgives. Amen. The Lord forgives. In his deepest hour of need, he was denied three times. We know, we know the example, but when we're down praying and we have those doubts coming into our minds, the Lord's not going to forgive me. Remember David and remember Peter. And how easily they were forgiven because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Did Jonah sin pretty severely? God told him to go to Nineveh, and he went in the opposite direction. You say, but he ended up in a whale. Well, he hadn't confessed his sins yet. He just said, you want to end this storm? Throw me overboard. But down there in the whale's belly, he started confessing. Right. And he comes to the end of his prayer, and he says, salvation is of the Lord. And the whale vomited him up on the dry ground. The Lord had mercy upon him. The right. Lord said to him the second time, go and preach in Nineveh. He went. He confessed his sins and he was forgiven. And even though, is that a pretty difficult situation to be in, to be in the belly of a whale? Is that a pretty difficult situation to get out of? Could he get out himself? Only one way, and that's not the way that he was looking forward to. The Lord brought him out of that whale because he confessed his sins. And you can read a whole prayer of confession. It's Jonah chapter 2. It's the prayer of confession of Jonah. There's so many examples, brethren. You go to the book of Judges and you just see over and over and over that the nation would turn to other gods. He would send a foreign power in to crush them in the book of Judges. And it says they would turn to the Lord and he would raise up Ehud, Othniel, Barak, Deborah, Jephthah, Gideon. He just kept raising up men for them because whenever they would turn to the Lord, he would raise up a deliverer and deliver them from their enemies and forgive them their sins. And as Psalm 78 told us, their heart really wasn't in it. And they would go back to the sins as soon as they were delivered. But God was so merciful, he continued to forgive them. Right. Whole churches can do it. The church at Ephesus, I have somewhat against thee. You've lost your first love. Remember, from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come quickly. His judgment was ready to break forth on that church of Ephesus, or I'm going to come quickly, but all they had to do was remember what they had lost, repent for it, do the first works. That is to turn to the Lord and do His commandments, and He would forgive them, and the candlestick would stay there, and a church would be preserved. Right. And you go read the words of Jesus Christ to those seven churches. Whole churches can be saved by confessing their sins. Look at Psalm 51. Psalm 51. What does he want us to bring? You know, we sang a song tonight. It's Rock of Ages, number 499 in our hymnals. Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. And that's the only way that we have to come to him. That's the only way he wants us to come. And we sang it this morning to close our service with the song, Just As I Am. That's how he wants us to come. Look at Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. A broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart is one that is humbled down. It's broken from the stiff position of rebellion. Remember Jeremiah chapter 7 last Sunday? They hardened their hearts. Well, this is a heart that's broken. It's humbled before the Lord. It's full of remorse. It can easily say, you are right, I am wrong. I have perverted that which was right, and it profited me not. Have mercy upon me. That is a broken spirit. There's nothing complicated about it. It's one that's able to humble itself before God and say that it is wrong. And notice what it says about such a sacrifice. O God, thou wilt not despise that sacrifice. If we come to God, that's all he asks, is that we come broken asking for forgiveness, and he will forgive us. Don't try to bring your good works with you for, for forgiveness. Just believe his promise. The Holy Spirit will not give you comfort 
or very much of it when you come, trying to bring your righteousness along with your confession. We don't have tomorrow, brethren. We have today. Right. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, is how Isaiah 55 began. Right. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. He's not always near. He hasn't promised to always be ready for us whenever it's our time. You have heard this message today, and I was convicted to prepare this message, not from my flesh, but from the Lord. Right. So he's giving us another opportunity that we can start over. And truly, we should be starting over every day. But if you've let sin accumulate in your lives, confess it, and let's start over and walk in fellowship with God and his Son, Jesus Christ. And brethren, I hope you can do it with joy. Amen. This is an exciting subject. Did you see how Psalm 32 ended this morning? And if you'll turn back to the left just a few pages, we'll end with that verse. The last verse of Psalm 32. <coughs> psalm 32 is a psalm about the forgiveness that we have in Christ Jesus. Remember, verses, the first two verses are our legal position in Christ. Verses 3 and 4 are what it's like when we don't confess our sins. Verse 5 is what happens when we do confess. And verse 6 is encouragement because of verse 5 we ought to do it every day. And then the rest of the verses are the blessings that will follow the confession of our sins. Right. And it comes down to verse 11, be glad in the Lord. We're going to sin. But if we'll confess those sins, He will forgive us. And because He forgives us so readily because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we ought to be glad. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous. And shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart, that we have such an easy way to start over. Right. If anyone walks out of here and goes home and continues to live in a spiritual funk, spiritual depression, spiritual discouragement, it's because you are foolishly rebelling against God. He has made the atonement. He has offered the advocate. He calls us to come to Him just as we are. We don't need to prepare to go to God. We just go to Him as we are and confess our sins and He will abundantly pardon and He will bless you. If you go away and do not do this, He is going to judge you. He did not bring these sermons this Sunday simply to fill up one week on the calendar. It's Him Again, reminding us and calling us by the prophet that he has sent you to turn unto the Lord and to confess your sins. Amen. And he will abundantly pardon. Amen. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word of this day. Amen. Amen.